to dinner. People are hearing the gospel for the very first time. Thank you so much. Merci beaucoup. Ten house churches have been planted during the COVID season. We have seen the miraculous healings in Cambodia. New believers being, are being discipled and communities are being transformed by the presence of Christ. I was able to work with about 10 women that wanted to start a farm. The goal was to provide increased income so that they can provide for their kids and for their family, create some good and solid meals for them. And the day I left, I was able to walk with these ladies into their farm, water their plants, and transplant some plants. I just can't wait to get back next year to walk alongside them again. Thank you for enabling us to help poor farmers learn how to provide for their families all year round. Thank you for empowering us to bring freedom to thousands through Soul Care Ministries. Because of your faithful and sometimes sacrificial giving, we have never had to leave this Bain field to raise more support. In this last year of COVID, I've been able to continue to serve at Life International School, teaching classes, giving support to faculty, staff, teachers, and families of the school. You sustained us through COVID. As field director, I was able to be there to support and motivate and encourage the 44 international workers there. And I was also able to teach uh, in two different seminaries to train pastors and church leaders. In a location where our team faced extreme political instability, the Alliance rose to the occasion, supporting us with prayer. Partner churches came and rallied around us. Alliance leaders and member care professionals were there for us in our time of crisis. Thank you for giving, for praying, and for blessing. You! You! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Please stand for worship. Welcome to Common Ground this morning. We're so happy to have you with us. And I'd like to start worship by preparing our hearts this morning. So if you guys would close your eyes with me, just want to start by telling God that we're declaring to you this morning, God, that here we are. We are saying that we are going to lay everything at your feet this morning, and that no matter what we're going through, God, we're going to try our best to worship you this morning. And we're going to be open and honest, and we're going to sing these words with everything that we have, God. We're going to meditate on them, and we're going to truly mean them when we say them, God. Because you're an amazing God, the only God. It's more powerful than anything else. And because of this, because of this reason, God, we sing. I'll raise a hallelujah. In the presence of my enemies, I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. Fight for me. So I'm gonna 
this morning we're singing with everything that we have because we long to worship you we long to make you happy Lord we long to bring you glory so we're going to sing no matter what's going on in the middle of the storm Lord 
the middle of the sunshine, we're going to sing you no, for you no matter what, God. We're going to sing, even if our enemies are surrounding us, God, and we're going to sing, even if we're struggling, even if we're going through something, God, we recognize that you're with us all along the way. Even when we don't feel you, even when we don't see you, Lord, we know you're there. So we'll keep singing. We'll keep praying. We'll keep following you, Jesus. Because we long to be like you. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Common ground, you may be seated. And I'm just thrilled that you guys are here in this room with us today and those of you joining us on live stream. I just have a few announcements for you. And one of them is a reminder about the women's retreat coming up in two weeks, Generation Celebration. I know you guys are really excited for that. If you have signed up for this retreat, Kat has some forms that she's going to need you to fill out. And so connect with Kat and she can uh, give you that form there. And that is coming up in two weeks. So really excited about that. The next announcement we have here is that I have updated clipboards um, for those of you who do a great job bringing snacks in the mornings or helping clean after. We have updated clipboards with some future dates, and so there are plenty of slots open to bring snacks in the morning. Some of you have done a great job of bringing like delicious breakfast bakes and biscuits and gravy and fruit and donuts and all that good stuff. So if you would be willing to bless our church with snacks in the morning, please see the clipboard that's going to be passed around in a bit and write your name on there. The second clipboard that I have is in regard to an event that will be taking place here in the fall called Ignite. And Ignite, we'll get to that one next. Ignite is a pastors and missionaries retreat um, for the Rocky Mountain District. And so the denomination that we're in, the Christian Missionary Alliance, has a district here in the Rocky Mountain areas that includes the western half of North and South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana, and eastern Idaho. And so all of the pastors and missionaries from this area are going to be gathering here September 27th through 30th um, for a retreat and for times of worship. And so with that, we need some help just setting up snacks, and we need help with child care. And so if you're willing to help, we would love to have it. I know that the child care one is a lot scarier than um, setting up snacks. With setting up snacks, the times that you'll see here uh, are related to an evening session and a morning session, or and a, yeah, an evening session and a morning session, and so pay attention to which one you're signing up for on there. Basically, we would set up beforehand. You're welcome to join us for the worship time and for the session if you have signed up to help. It is going to be tight attendance in here, and so we can't open it up to the whole church because we're going to have about 150 people in this room, but if you have volunteered to set up snacks, then you get to actually come and sit through the sessions if you would like, which I would highly encourage. It's going to be a great time of worship, and they have great speakers there. If you sign up for children, you will not get to sit through the worship because obviously you'll be downstairs with the kids, but you will get a free background check out of it, so that's a bonus um, <laughs> if you'd be willing to help out with that. And so I have those clipboards that I'm going to be passing around here, and Matt Clutch with the pen save there. So please sign up, consider helping either with snacks or with children for Ignite. And then the final one, speaking of children, we'll go back to that last slide. Just last Sunday at 2 p.m., right after church, we celebrated the birth of little Adeline Joy Kaufman. 
And so really excited about that. So now these guys are busy working to keep this little baby happy. And so if we could do what we can to keep them happy and to serve them, follow that link at mealtrain.com slash K5M2EV and sign up for a slot um, to provide a meal for this family. And so if you had looked on there before, obviously it didn't have any time slots because the baby was not born yet. But now that baby is here, we have some time slots open for you. So jump on there and help us to bless our church family. Now that's all the announcements I have for you this morning. With that, I'm going to invite you to rise to your feet and greet one another. But it's also reality going to school. Yeah. If you can work and pay your school off, then that's way better than taking it. Anyways, Trace, I'll check in with you after the service.
let's continue worship.
hands of the maker. One more time. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. And God, we sing that. We sing it over and over again. Because the more we sing it, God, the more we believe it. So we're going to keep saying this to ourselves through this week. I lean not on my understanding, God, but trust in you. For you set my path straight. And you guide me. And I'm going to keep telling myself this spiritual truth to encourage myself and also to know these good things about you, God. So one more time, I lean not on my own understanding, God, but I trust in your ways. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. Common ground, you may be seated. So in this time in the service, we always uh, have a time of giving in the service. Um, So if you look up on the screen, we have three ways to give here at Common Ground. And I just want to remind you that um, this morning we watched a video about those missionaries saying thank you for all the giving. And I just want to remind you that we do have a way to give to the Great Commission Fund here at Common Ground. If you go on EasyTide.com, you just scroll down and you can click GCF, and that goes to help people like that. So just a quick little reminder, and we're going to be playing a song. If you guys want to sing along, you sure can. Um, So let's go ahead and do that. is devoted like a ring of solid gold like a vow that is tested like a covenant of old your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon with mercy for today faithful you have been and faithful you will be you pledge yourself to me and it's why i sing your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips
to transition into our time of prayer. I guess I'll let you off as well. That's a far fall. As we begin prayer, I just want to begin with the words of Psalm 28. For I call to you, O Lord, my rock, do not turn a deaf ear to me, for you, for if you remain silent, I will be like those who have gone down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands towards your most holy place. And that is what we're going to do right now, is we are going to call out to God, the God who does not turn a deaf ear to us. And so I'm going to open the floor um, for prayer requests, maybe something that you are crying out to God for, that you are hoping he does, or you are asking for his help in, or maybe there's something that you are praising God for. Um, God has done something in your life. Thank you, Winter. Um, that you would just love to share 
with us so that we can give glory to God. All the way on the other side. Well, I'm surprised that Ray didn't stand up and say this first, but huge answered prayer in the Straub family. In about um, 10 days, they're going to be going to Canada. Because <laughs> <laughs> the border is really opening exciting. tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, man, really exciting. So we're praising God for that and praying for your time with family the family up there in about 18 months. So. And then I would like you, sorry I didn't ask you, but I would like you to um, join in prayer for Christina. She's having a lot of frustration at work um, as a co-worker who's really kind of harassing her, I would say, and just wisdom to know what to say and strength to be able to, to cope and to treat this co-worker with kindness. Yeah, will do. Thanks for letting us pray with you, Christina. I, I have two requests. The, the first one is a praise, because uh, last week I was my anniversary for being a nurse for one year, so that was really exciting. Uh, praise God for me still being there, because <laughs> um, there's some crazy stuff that we see at the hospital, but um, the second thing is that uh, looking back, uh, it was a really challenging time to embark on something that you've never done before and to really not know what to do. Um, and it really caused me to have to rely on God more than I would have chosen to. I b it basically had to because I was like, God, I, I don't know if I can do it today. I need to rely on your strength and your power because I can't, I feel like I can't do this. And so um, I would just encourage and pray for you guys that you all have moments where you feel like you can't do it on your own because it really causes you to rely on God. So I just hope that we all have opportunities like that. Because even though in the moment they're tough, after it's all through, you're like, oh, thank you, God, for being there for me. So Thanks for sharing that, Matt. And Zach, right behind you. 
We uh, finished up camp, Hiawatha Bible Camp, uh, just over a week ago, and uh, we had several students who gave their lives to God in, during that week. So, big praise for that. That's awesome. Praise God. I guess I just want to make a plug for Camp Hiawatha. That might sound foreign to a lot of people here, but um, I'm just married into the Camp Hiawatha thing, but I, for the 32 years we've been married, Nick has been involved with Hiawatha, and, and we over there have been like little tiny campers all the way up to now directing. I mean, that says a lot about a camp. I mean, 32 years and all these kids, it's just... So I kind of, and maybe I'm being a little bit forward here, but do a lot of churches like have affiliation with camps? I mean, like Baptist Church Camp Redskin and so on. So if we could just kind of just keep, whenever we say Camp Hiawatha, just say, oh, that's um, Common Ground's church camp. <laughs> so <laughs> if we, I mean, <laughs> anyway, I might have tried it. Anyway, I just been yeah. saying it because I just feel just, you know, I'm so proud of, of and you guys were there for too, so lots of involvement from this church. So, yay, Camp Hiawatha. Yeah, mm-hmm. praise God. <laughs> they might not know it now, but they're ours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and really, it was a great time um, to spend it there. I know winter-led worship at high school camp. Audrey Dunn here from Common Ground-led worship at middle school camp. And so, yeah, we really, Common Ground, good job at Camp Hiawatha. Jake. Hi. Um, so... A few months ago, we started looking for another home, and that was very difficult and stressful, and um, we got a home, and that was totally by God's grace, and just the timing and everything was crazy, and we got a bigger home, because we're like, man, we should probably future-proof for, like, a family, and then, like, a week later, we found out we were pregnant, so... Praise God! So yeah, um, just the divine nature of, of God through <laughs> all these things. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> oh, praise God. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, he has provided that. <laughs> there are no more requests. Would you turn to God and pray with me? Well, Father God, um, we just come before you right now knowing that you are the God who is our rock. Um, you do not turn a deaf ear to us. And so would you hear our cries for help, our cries for mercy as we, as we lift our hands up to you? We pray for Tatiana's niece. Um, we just thank you for how generous her family has been with her and, and for all the support that she gets from this big family. But God, we're just seeing that it is not leading um, to any change. Um, and it is not, it's not helping her. And as her family, um, they just want to actually help her to get to a place um, where she can provide for herself, where she can be happy, where she is not having to rely on these people. And so, God, we just pray for wisdom for her, um, that she's able to, to make better financial decisions. And we just know the risk that, that money and finances play with our, with our heart and our spirits and, and just the danger there. And so we just pray protection over that family um, as, as money is involved there. And, God, we pray for her niece's faith um, and her proclamation for years that she's a believer in you, but God, we're just not seeing that, and we're seeing what what you called in the New Testament as as backsliding, as as going away from you. And so, God, we just ask that you would draw her near. Um, would you continue to use Tatiana? And would you continue to use the other family members to to draw her near to you? 
um, to remind her of, of your presence in her life. And God, we just lift up that family to you. God, we just praise you for, for the border being open um, in Canada so that Sally and Ray can go and see family that they haven't seen in over a year. Um, God, just how hard it has been to be separated from the people that they love. And we just thank you for, for working in them in this patience. And, and we just ask that you would bless their time there. Would you just cause all the little details to work out, um, the little pieces to come together so that they can get over there and just enjoy time with their family. Um, we just ask that you would just give them a sweet time there, enjoying it with their family that they've missed for so long. And God, we pray for Christina, um, for this conflict at work, um, for the conflict that just makes showing up at work such a hard, difficult thing um, when she sees that person and just wants to go the other way. And God, I just ask that you'd protect her from the insults, from the from the teasing, God, just from all the conflict that goes on there. I just ask that you would continue to give Christina patience. So would you continue to just heal her heart um, from the hurt that she has experienced here? And God, I just pray for this other person. Would you just give them a change of heart? As you continually work in Christina's heart and life in this conflict, would you be doing something in this other person? Um, would you be drawing them um, to a place where they act more like you? And God, we just lift this up and recognize that you can work even in these difficult conflicts. And we ask that you would work in Christina's. God, we praise you um, that Matt has survived a year of nursing. Uh, just what a crazy year it was for him. And we just recognize that your plans and your direction in our life doesn't always make sense to us. It seemed like probably the worst time in recent memory that someone could have started in healthcare. But God, we just see your hand in that. We see your hand in, in sustaining him and supporting him when he's reached his own limits, when he's reached his ends. And we just thank you for the, the message that he has of how we can rely on you um, when we reach our end. Would you help us to learn that lesson now? Would you help us to see our limits not as bad things but as opportunities for you to work, um, seeing that we're, we're weak, you're strong. And God, we just praise you for the work that you did there. And God, we praise you for just all that you have done at Camp Halawasa with the, the high school students and, and all of the leaders from this place that you sent to work at the high school camp and in saving the lives of two students. God, we pray for their new faith now. We pray that the friends that they made at camp would stick by them and help in their discipling of, towards you. And we pray for the, the connections that they've made with their counselors for the texts and the communication that they continue to have, would you just be working through it to build them up in their faith and to lead them towards yourself? We just praise you for all the work that was done at the middle school camp as well, for 48 students coming together and worshiping you and, and questions being asked that they've never considered before and, and learning about who you are. Uh, we just see the great potential that it is to be able to to speak your gospel to these to these young hungry people, God. And we just pray that you would do now what only you could do as, as we've served as best we can. And God, we just praise you for the DeGroats, um, for all that you've done in their life and in the timing of just working out um, the new buy of, of their home. God, in this crazy real estate market when it seemed like uh, it was something that wasn't going to happen, we just give you credit for making it work. And we give you credit um, for the beauty that this new life is going to be. And we just ask your blessing on this family as they grow together and, and figure out what it means to be parents and to raise one of your children, God. 
um, we just praise you and we just are filled with so much joy to see your work in their life. We just thank you for the growth of this family and would you help us as a church to be supportive and to be the church around them as they move into this next season of life. And so God, we just bring all these requests to you. We thank you that we get to turn towards you, that you turn towards us. We thank you that you shepherd us and that you are our strength. And so, God, we, we just give these requests to you. And would you be glorified in all that takes place in our lives. And so we just pray for Nick at this time as he comes up and preaches from your word. Would you just prepare our hearts and minds to receive what it is that you've spoken to us in the Psalms. And Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, Evan. Morning, everybody. My name is Nick Rombo. If you have not met me, I am uh, on staff here part-time as the skipper of discipleship. Uh, I guess I'll just accept that title (laughs) and live with that. Um, It's my privilege to be able to stand here this morning and bring Psalm 71, the 71st Psalm to you. So uh, I'm going to encourage you to, uh, you know, find it on your device or open up these old-fashioned things called books and, uh, and have your hands right on that. Uh, I did not put all the verses in the slides uh, because I'm kind of old school, obviously, and I like, you, I like you to have it in your hands uh, and looking at it, engaging it yourself uh, as you do that. So, yeah, Camp Halawasa, I think, I'm glad Lori did that. Uh, I'm glad she was really forward and made a lot of noise about uh, that camp because um, not only do we get to send people here to help and to serve and to work at that camp, but in a few years, we're going to have a little brood uh, that, you know, they're tiny little things right now, but they'll be going to summer camp someday, and uh, it'd be good for us to be prepared and ready to receive that generation of, of campers uh, that are coming down the pipe here. Um, so it, you may have noticed a theme in the worship music. Um, Matt, good job on picking those songs out. They really fit Psalm 71 really well. And also that same theme happening in our, our time of prayer. And that is that sometimes uh, things can be really tough. Sometimes life can be uh, really hard. But at the same time, we're reminded that God is good through it all. And Psalm 71 uh, sort of addresses that. So before we dig into this particular psalm, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask a, a question for you to respond to. And uh, I'm a little scared to ask this question. But it, it, it goes like this. What do you think might be the worst thing that could happen to Common Ground Church? Ever thought about that? What might be the worst thing that could happen to this community of faith right here? Okay, what do you think? What, what, what do you imagine could, ooh, that would, no, I don't want that to happen, but what might happen? So, a split, okay, all right, a division within the body and family kind of fighting with family sort of thing. And there's been churches that, have done that, so God could probably say, been there, done that, uh, several times. Okay, uh, what's, a, what's something else that maybe, yeah? Had? It wasn't really a question, but I have a friend who goes to church where the pastor was on the way to church Sunday morning, and a car 
I rebuke that. <laughs> so, yeah, but to suddenly lose a pastor, you know, it's one thing to have a pastor move on, and uh, that's a tough thing for a church to go through. But to have one suddenly and tragically uh, taken from us would be very hard, and I'm sure God could say to that one, been there, done that uh, as well. Uh, yeah, Peter? Okay, all right, to see a, a, one of the leaders uh, go into moral collapse, fall into sin or something like that uh, is devastating for a, for a whole church. And again, God can say, been there, done that. Any others? I'm always looking for the totally off. Oh, and right when I say I'm looking for the totally off-the-wall one, I see Tyler's hand up, so <laughs> not setting up any expectations, but... <laughs> Hmm. Wow, that is really some good insight. If somehow we stop serving one another, just forget that that's part of what we're here to do. Okay. That, no, it was it was not what we usually would think, and it was a good one to have put in front of us. Winner. Okay. All right. Uh, the loss of mission, and that happens to a lot of mis. Mi uh, hmm ministries where they experience a thing called uh, missional drift and uh, sort of forget uh, why, why they even exist, why they even started, and then they're just kind of, through momentum, just kind of still gathering together but not really doing anything. That would be a bad thing to happen. And again, what's that? No church, no church at all? Yeah, just get shut down, you know, by the government or something like that or other things and... Uh, uh, yeah, God could say in other countries, uh, yep, been there, done that, seen that sort of thing happen. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, these are things to probably stop and consider uh, as we prepare to go into this, this psalm. Some 38 years ago, uh, I responded to God just basically hounding my soul and uh, entered his kingdom. Okay, because he, he kind of drugged me into it, kicking and screaming the whole way. And about the same time, he also um, was calling me to go into ministry. Boy, you know, it was one thing to go into God's kingdom, but then to say, what? No, well, you know, even when, even this morning while Evan was praying, I was just kind of like going, you know, you could pray all day. You pray, pray through the whole hour and use up my preaching time. I'd be okay with that, you know, because I always get a little nervous and uh, shook up about having to, to do what I'm doing right now. So, uh, you know, God just took me by surprise and said, I'm, I'm going to call you in to do that sort of thing too. So it's almost four decades now. And uh, his calling into ministry was primarily to young people, which uh, I've stuck with. I've kind of kept on doing this. Now, early on, as a fledgling youth pastor, I received two bits of advice um, that I still uh, remember very well to this day. The first one was don't expect to see fruit from your ministry. Don't expect to see fruit from your ministry, especially when you're in youth ministry. Okay, um, don't expect to see great and wonderful things happen right in front of your eyes because it might happen somewhere down the road. Okay, and uh, so that was something I hung on to to just keep serving no matter what I see for results. Uh, the second thing that was given to me was every problem is an opportunity for God to do what He does best, and that's that's good to know when you're going into youth ministry. <laughs> every problem. <laughs> <laughs> that you encounter is really an opportunity for God to do what he is best 
uh, at doing. Now, uh, the second one, the one I just shared, yeah, that one is spot on, right, 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 all the way through, so true. Now, the first one has shown to not be completely accurate. And one of the reasons, well, I guess I should say this, what, what made this true, not to see fruit within your ministry or from your ministry, what made this true is that, well, most, most youth pastors don't stay youth pastors for very long. In fact, the average tenure of a youth pastor is 11 months. It takes over a year to gain the trust of a teenager. A lot of youth pastors, um, well, they got into youth ministry because they thought it would be cool. And then they find out it's fun once in a while, but it loses its coolness real fast. Uh, some got into youth ministry because they were told that they could use it as a stepping stone into real ministry, you know, that sort of thing. That one always made me mad. Uh, so yeah, you know, the, the reason that it's true is because sometimes youth pastors just don't hang around long enough to see what's coming from the work that they're doing. What made this false is that um, I stuck around. I'm not like most youth pastors. Uh, I, I, I kept with it. And sometimes I leave a place and then I end up having God just drag me right back into it, like Rapid City Christian School. I'm like this fungus that keeps appearing on the wall there. And uh, because of that, that has given me the perspective to say, you know what, it is worth it. It, the tough times are okay because God does work in the midst of those tough times. I may not have seen it right then and there, but yeah, you hang around for a couple more decades and you can see the fruit of what God has doing. So um, I'm talking about staying power today, and I'm not just talking about staying power for us as individuals, uh, but for something else. Um, I can tell you that I, I stand here today a little bruised, a little battered, uh, a little worn, but not worn out uh, from, from four years or four, four decades of, of ministry. Uh, I would probably say that I've accumulated more mental fungus than wisdom, but I easily relate to what Psalm 71 uh, has to say here. Um, I want us to look at this psalm not so much as, well, what does it say to me as an individual, but what does it say to us as common ground, as a church family, as a fellowship of believers together? So uh, here it is. We're going we're gonna to read it in just a second, but some background here. Uh, first of all, when Evan says, we're going to preach some psalms this summer, I have to admit that I kind of groaned a little bit <laughs> because preaching psalms is really hard. It would be like taking up this old antiquated thing called a hymn book and preaching a message from one of the songs in the hymn book or from one of the slides that are put up on our... Because they're songs. They're not sermons. They are something meant for us to sing and something meant for us to pray. So, you know, preaching a psalm is kind of hard because they don't just give you this really cool, nice three-point uh, sermon or something. Sometimes they're all over the place, and this one's kind of like that. Uh, but I'm so glad we've done this because it's, it's allowed us to look at some of these things. 
Uh, and then Psalm 71, you know, I, it probably wouldn't have been one of my go-to psalms, you know. Uh, the go-to psalm, Psalm 73, which Evan just did last week. Psalm 42, which uh, Matt did the, that is the right psalm, isn't it? 42, uh, did the week before that. And, uh, you know, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, those are all the, you know, the, the greatest hits out of the psalm books sort of thing. Uh, psalm 71 isn't. It's kind of one of those that are just tucked in there. And uh, maybe we read it, but we don't remember reading it, and I hope we do after, after today. So this is what we know so much about this, uh, about this psalm. Um, the author is anonymous. He's unknown. Okay? Uh, but we do know that he borrowed quite freely from the Davidic psalms, uh, specifically Psalm 22, 31, 35, and 40. If you go back and look at those, you're going to see, hey, he, he kind of lifted some stuff. They didn't have copyrights back then that they had to worry about, uh, but that's what they did. They shared a lot of these things over and over again to emphasize to make their points. So we don't know who it is for sure, but there's a particular Davidic flavor to this psalm. Uh, the psalm itself is written in the form of an individual lament. Okay? So that I'll tell you something right there. What's a lament? What's that word related to? Sorrow, trouble, difficulties, you know, the, the stuff of life that uh, we all have to go through, and we all go through it together. Um, and it seems to be very suited to a follower of God uh, who is kind of feeling threatened by others who are taking advantage of his particular time of weakness or distress. Okay? And that's something that's good to remember, that God has an enemy. That enemy cannot hurt God, so he attacks the ones that God loves most. That's how he can assault God. You know, same thing. If you were to come after a member of my family, that would hurt me more than if you came after me personally. Okay? And, uh, and this enemy, he likes to take advantage of the times of distress and weakness that we might find ourselves in. And uh, he really wants to undermine our faith and our trust and our confidence. And one of the ways that he does that is by stirring up other people, okay? people that may not be walking with God uh, in a particular fashion and using them to come and to really make life hard for the individual. So that's, that's kind of what this psalm is about and why he writes this lament. Now, uh, the antagonist that we find in this uh, particular psalm, uh, its wording is general enough that it would be accurate to look at the antagonist in this story or in this prayer um, as one of two cases, maybe even both. Okay, so both of these interpretations could be accurate. Um, one, it could be non-fearing, or I'm sorry, non-God-fearing foreigners. That's what we use the word pagan for. Okay, and we get that when people have a different worldview than we might hold. That can make life difficult for us. Yeah, in our work, like Christina's experiencing right now, or other places. The other case might be it was actually fellow Israelites. Hmm. Now, we don't want that to be true, do we? You know, come on, we're all on the same team, right? You know, we wear the same, same jersey. Well, you know, just a note, uh, something else I've picked up in four decades is that uh, um, I face more antagonism and obstacles from churchgoers than I have from pagans. Sometimes that's just the way it works. It takes you by surprise, but see, that's how our enemy 
tries to discourage us uh, by having us attacked by the place pe- people that we th- would least expect to be attacked by. Uh, it, it, this is just the way it works. Evan can tell you this. Any pastor, anybody who's in ministry can tell you this for a while, that sometimes sheep will chew on you. Okay, they do that. Sheep will just come up and they'll start gnawing on you like you've got to kind of quit that. Don't, you know? And if you've ever been around sheep, sometimes they'll butt you. Okay, you can turn your back on them and they ram right into you, try to knock you over or something like that. I have, a, I have a friend who was in youth ministry when he was a kid. He had a sheep named Herman that knocked him into an electric fence. Okay, yeah, yeah, Herman, nice sheep. You know? And, you know, that's just part of ministry. And, and I think it's good for people to understand that. You know, it's, it was hard for my kids to see the sheep gnaw or butt me or something like that. But that's why we are shepherds. That's why sheep need shepherds, because we all have a tendency to do those sort of things. So like I said, we don't want that to be true, but sometimes it can be true. So um, we have to understand that as we look at the antagonist. But I think it's really key for us to remember that the key or the main antagonist in this story is the adversary of God, Satan, the devil. And uh, he's the one at work trying to uh, get us when we are weak or when we are in distress. So there's going to be an upcoming podcast uh, because that's a cool thing that Evan has added to our ministry here to be able to talk more about uh, the Sunday messages and things like that. And I'll be addressing how as an individual you can pray through this particular psalm. But as I said today, I want us to together consider how as a community... Um, as a church, as a fellowship of believers, that we can apply Psalm 71 together as a whole. Okay, so let me pray, and then we'll read the psalm. Father, as we we gather now together, uh, may we do it as one. Uh, May you unite our hearts to your word, and may you speak to us as a one-hearted people here. I I know we're all unique and and that we're all individuals and and we're all going through different things at different times, different stuff in our life, but God, you have a way of bringing us all together to stand kind of on the same page with one another. And as we're on the, the page that has the 71st Psalm in it, we pray, God, that together we hear your voice and that you speak to us in a way that would be, um, your scripture doing its job, um, teaching us, uh, rebuking us, correcting us, and training us together uh, to be fully equipped, fully outfitted as men and women of God. So, Lord, we pray your Spirit uh, would work in, in our lives today as we uh, consider this prayer, this song that Israel sung as part of their worship. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here it is, Psalm 71. I'm going to read through the whole thing. Uh, I'm reading from the New International Version. Uh, this morning and uh, here's what our anonymous psalmist says in you lord i have taken refuge let me never be put to shame in your righteousness rescue me and deliver me turn your ear to me and save me be my rock of refuge to which i can always go give the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign or a portent to many. 
You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say, God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly, God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. And as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, Sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteousness deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things. Who is like you, God? Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. I am who you have delivered. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long. For those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. Okay, wow, that was a, there's a lot in there. Uh, like I said, it's, it's not one of those formats where we go, okay, we got an intro, we have this point, this point, this point, and now we have kind of a good wrap-up here. Uh, this thing kind of jumps back and forth all over the place. All right. But here are some simple observations that we can make, and I always encourage you to do that when you read a scripture. Uh, just look real hard at it and say, what is this thing saying to me? Okay, what do I see in this? Don't try to figure out what it means. Just look and see what it says, first of all. Then if, once you observe it very carefully, then consider, well, what, what does this mean? And then how do I apply it? So here's some, some basic observations. First, from the first three verses, I won't reread them, but Psalm 71, 1 through 3, I think the main point that the psalmist is making here is that God is our refuge always. God is our refuge always. He is a place of safety and salvation. And we have to remember that. You know, because when life is kicking us in the teeth and when the enemy is trying to whittle us down, uh, he wants us to forget that. And one thing that God has shown throughout 4,000 plus years of human history is that he is a place of refuge and a place of salvation always. We have two guarantees of this, and this psalm touched on that. It's all based on the character of God. It's based on who he is, not who we are. That's why he said, I will declare your righteous act yours alone, because we don't have any to brag about, but we can talk about God's, and that's one of God's characteristics is that he is righteous. We can bank on this promise of God being our refuge always because he is righteous in all of his doings and all of his acts god is always righteous and the other thing is is that god is faithful even when we are not god demonstrates himself to be faithful 
to the promises that he makes. You know, when you read through the Bible, you'll come across these things called covenants. You know, there's the Adenic covenant or the Adamic covenant, the promises that God makes with Adam and Eve. Um, there's the Abrahamic covenant. There's the Noahic covenant, the one he makes with Noah. Uh, there's the Davidic covenant, the one that he makes with uh, King David. There's uh, the, just the, the covenant that he makes with Israel as a whole. Uh, and then he talks about in the Old Testament a new covenant, which Christ would be the fulfillment of. All of those are promises. In fact, all of those covenants point to Jesus Christ, and God is faithful in every single one of his covenants. Now, we as human beings, we know that people don't always hold up their end of a covenant. People sometimes back out of contracts and things like that. But God never does, even when we fail to keep up our end of the bargain. God is faithful in all of his doings, righteous and faithful. And I stand here with absolute confidence. Man, there's a lot of things I'm not sure about. Okay? There's a lot of things I, I don't know, you know how it's all going to turn out. But this one thing I do know, and I do know it for certain, because God planted his stake in the ground when Jesus went to the cross. And when we talk about faithfulness, and when we talk about righteousness, it was demonstrated through Christ going to the cross so that God's promises would be kept. That he would be a place of refuge for all those who would run to him that they would find salvation for all those who would call upon his name. The cross has secured us for that, and we need to be reminded of that, especially when times are tough. Then we get to verses 4 through 11, and I think the main point we see here is that God is our rescuer from his adversary and those who would join that adversary in opposing God's divine will. Ever needed rescuing? When I was about five years old, six years old, uh, I was at a dairy farm with my brother and all the, the ranch kids that were about his age. I was just, you know, six, seven years younger than all of them, so I was this annoying little, you know, stinker following them around. So they tried to ditch me, and they were running for the barn. I kind of had an idea where they were going, so I took a shortcut. It was a bad shortcut. Uh, I ran through uh, a pile of manure that I sunk into up to my hips. Okay, now, back in that day, there were all these Tarzan movies, you know, Gilligan's Island and stuff like that, and the way they portrayed quicksand was very frightening, and that was the first thing that entered into my brain is that I am going to sink <laughs> all the way down into this very smelly stuff. So, um, yeah, you know, there's this word cacophony or caterwauling, and that's what I was doing, you know, and eventually uh, my big brother, you know, knew I was in trouble. He heard it. He turned around, and he came back, and uh, he got a good grip on my hand, and he lifted me up out of that pile of poo that I'd found myself in. I was rescued. You know, and, and I always think about that story, as funny and as gross as it is, um, really being pretty accurate as to God is our rescuer. Because if you think about it, that's sin. You know, and, and we all have it. We're all sinking in a pile of poo. <laughs> it's not pleasant, it's not pretty, and it's a little bit scary. And like I said, when we call out, God is faithful and just to come to our rescue and lift us up. I, I like the fact that Jesus in the book of Hebrews is described as our big brother. And he's the one that came to our mess and lifted us out. So yeah, we do need rescuing because the wicked, as this psalm describes them, are unjust and cruel. 
But they are people who are simply every single member of humanity yet to have experienced the gracious forgiveness of God. We have to remember that our enemy is not other people, not the sheep that might bite us or butt us, not the pagans that may not agree with what we believe or what we follow or what we value. We have only one enemy, and that's God's enemy. If anything, these wicked and these cruel that are described in the psalm, they're prisoners of war, captive to the will of one who opposes God. You know, we saw that happen in Nazi Germany. You know, Hitler caused a lot of people to believe in something really cool happening. Thought that he was going to somehow restore Germany back to the greatness that they once had known before the mess of World War I and the Treaty of Versailles. And so they kind of banked upon his promises, not realizing what a demonically fueled individual he is, was. And so after the war was done, unfortunately, there were a lot of Germans who fought in that war against the Allies who came to realize the error of their ways and how they were misled. And that's what's going on in the world today is that our enemy uses the fallenness of humanity to basically use people as his own puppets and to attack us. One of the things I saw in verses 4 through 11 is this, this thing from, from my youth to my old age. I saw that phrase in there, my youth to my old age. And I think it should be the desire of common ground as a church that we would be found faithful regardless of the circumstances that we might be facing from our youth to our old age, age as a church. You ever thought about that? That, that there's a longevity to a church? You know, common ground has been around for a while. Okay. We're probably moving into our middle, middle ages, uh, one might say, uh, kind of thing. We're, we're starting to exit our youth, you know. But have you ever thought of common ground in its old age? You know, have you ever thought about this continuing on? Like I said, that there's going to be a whole, whole brood of, of young ones that could be participating in this camp that we've been talking about. Or they might be the ones who get sent off somewhere down the road to be missionaries and benefit from the Great Commission Fund that we encourage people to give to to support them. Or, you know, this to me I think would be the coolest thing is that they grow up in this church to become its pastor someday. Not, not right away. You stick around for a while. <laughs> but yeah, to, to imagine that happening, that we would be found faithful, so faithful that whatever God has in store for common ground 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road or more, that we're where he wants us to be and that we would begin that right now here today. Faithful in our youth so that we're found faithful uh, even in our old age. I think this portion of Scripture here reminds us that, um, that God's benefits aren't just automatic. Like I said, it's, it's, it's a covenant thing. You know, just because you're married doesn't mean that you don't have to put anything into it. Okay, you can't coast. That doesn't work. Okay. And the same thing is in a relationship with God. It's a covenant relationship. You know, we just don't automatically get all of God's benefits, but as we are faithful to the provisions of God's covenant, um, we will experience those things. Um, hence, common ground, we should love faithful devotion to Jesus, and we should yearn that, like the psalmist, our mouths would continually be filled with his praise. 
Now, he uses this word that uh, in the New International Version, says, I will be a sign, or in other words, a portent. Now, that's a fascinating word. And in this context, it means that in the midst of our difficult circumstances, how we respond to them can be used by God as a sign to both the wicked and the saints. Paul touches on this in Philippians, uh, writes to a church, uh, and, and it's really interesting how this parallels with what Psalm 71 is saying. And, and, and Paul wrote this, he says, whatever happens, now think about that for a minute, because that's why I asked that question, what's the worst thing that could happen? Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever comes down the pipe for us as a church, we should conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Paul says, then whenever I, whether I see you or uh, come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I'll know that you stand firm in one spirit. Something we can do together right now. Stand firm in one spirit. Striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Is there a lot of opposition towards Christianity? Yeah. Are we seeing it more and more? Yeah. Are we persecuted like they are and uh, Christians are in other parts of the world? No. But it's beginning. And that's the reality. Jesus said so. He said, you will be persecuted. Uh, you will be hated on account of me. Uh, things like that. And, and that should not frighten us. Okay? Jesus told us it was coming down the, down, down the pipe. It should not shake us up. And that's what Paul's saying here. Don't be frightened by any way. Okay? And then he says that uh, this is a sign, this is a portent to them that they will be destroyed, but you'll be saved. And that by God. Again, by his righteous acts alone, not anybody else's. For it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but to also suffer for his sake. I think we forget that part sometimes. In the American gospel, we leave off the suffering uh, part of that. But Jesus said, no, you're going you're gonna to take up a cross if you follow me. And you can't take up a cross without there being some suffering. Suffering is just part of the covenant relationship that we are in with God. But here's the cool thing. I like what Paul says about our current suffering. Uh, you can read this in both uh, 2 Corinthians, and you can see him touch on again in Romans chapter 8, um, is that... Our current sufferings are nothing compared to the weight of glory in the age to come. You know, so whenever I'm going through a tough time, you know, and I encourage you to do the same thing, have an eternal perspective, not a right-now perspective. Because <laughs> if we have just right-now perspective, then our adversary, he can, he can probably gain some ground on us. But if we say, okay, God, life doesn't make sense to me right now, but I'm trusting I'm trusting in you, your faithfulness, your righteousness. You are my refuge, you are my safe place, you are my salvation. Even though it doesn't feel like it right now, I'm going to walk by faith, not by sight. And my faith is, is that you're going to finish the work you started in us, and you're going to get us to something better than we can ever imagine here on earth. All right, then we get to verses 12 through 16. And the main point in this one is that God is forever near us forever near us. Do you ever feel like God is distant? Do you ever feel like, where did God go? Come on, okay? Why is life the way, what is this COVID nonsense? Come on, God, what are you doing? <laughs> we, we, we tend to do that, and as Christians, that's just silly. 
Okay, I'll even go so far as to say it's kind of stupid, really, that, that as Christians we would ever think that sort of thing because the truth is God is forever near us. Jesus was described, given the name as Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus said at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, I will be with you always. Now, that's not only just an expression of time, but in every way possible that Jesus can be with us, he's going to be with us even to the end of the age. And, and, and I'll bank on that promise. And then on top of that, Jesus says, it's, he said to his disciples, when, oh, Jesus, we can't, you're going to die and you're going to leave us? And his response to them is, hey, it's to your benefit that I do this. Because then I can send the Holy Spirit to you, which is even better. It'll be my presence in you. That's how near God is to the Christian. Forever near us because he's in us. So that's why I say it's kind of stupid when we go, oh God, where'd you go? How come I can't feel you? <laughs> It's because we've got our eyes on our circumstances rather than our eyes on Jesus and the fact that he's right here right now. Man, that means he is not slow to coming to our aid. There's nothing that's going to hinder him. When we're going through the midst of it, he's like, I got you. I got you. Now the problem is, is we go, Jesus, you've got to change my circumstances. I don't like my circumstances. Can you fix those circumstances for me, Jesus? And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to use those circumstances. I'm your refuge. I'm your safe place. I got you covered, buddy. I have you. You're mine. Nothing snatches you out of my hand. I'll get you through it. I'll get you through it. That should be a source of perpetual hope and confidence, as it was for the psalmist. And we should remember to speak to one another about God's mighty deeds. As the psalmist said, I will proclaim your mighty deeds all the day long. And if you think about that, we have that opportunity as Christians to do that constantly, to proclaim what God has done. Has God seen you through something? Tell other people about it. Was it hard to find a house in this current housing market? But God found you a house, and for a good purpose. And you shared that with us. That's why we have an open prayer time the way we do. Because we're able to proclaim God's mighty deeds in the midst of the congregation. It reminds us that God has the power and the presence to deliver no matter what. Okay, then we get to Psalm, uh, or the verses 17 through 21. And basically all this, what the psalmist was saying here is, God, don't quit on us now. And, and, and it's just a statement from the heart because he knows, he knows better. He says, God, you've seen me through so much. And like, right now, life really stinks. I'm just saying, God, don't quit on me now. Don't quit. Have you ever been in a car when you had to get someplace? I had to, I had to get my wife to the hospital uh, when Allison was, was coming because uh, my wife was in denial <laughs> that she was going to have a baby in about, a, uh, in about an hour because uh, she thought it was supposed to be a, a couple more weeks. You know, it just didn't make sense that she was going into labor, okay? I, I was a firefighter EMT. I, I scored really high on emergency childbirth. And we're driving this Pontiac 6000. Let me tell you, that was not the best car that General Motors ever made, okay? But my grandma gave it to us, and 
we put it to use. And I had to drive from Piedmont to Rapid City Regional, now Monument, uh, with my wife. And I was holding her hand so I knew when the contractions were coming. And I also knew how intense they were by the fact that, you know, I probably, you know, have a messed up hand now. And, uh, and I'm watching that little digital clock on the dashboard. And I'm timing those contractions. And I'm like, Lord, don't quit on us now. Don't let the, we called it the pony tack eventually. Don't let the pony tack quit on us now. <laughs> I got to get to the hospital or I'm going to deliver this baby here in this car. Well, okay, yeah, I scored high in my EMT training and things like that. But had our daughter been born in the car, she wouldn't be with us today because she ended up spending 10 days in the NICU. She was purple when she came into this world. And I looked over and saw nurses doing that, saying, breathe, baby, breathe. But we would have been in trouble had the Pontiac quit on us. <laughs> and so, you know, we say things like that, and that's just a statement of, you know, God, I'm in trouble. Don't quit on me now. I need you, God. I need you now. Like Matt was saying, learning how to be absolutely dependent on God all the time. God, don't quit on me now. So, Psalm... 71 verse 18 this is the, the verse i really want to land on hard uh not just because i think it applies to me now but i want it to apply to all of us together as a church so even to old age and gray hairs oh god do not forsake me until i proclaim your might to another generation your power to those to come Wouldn't that'd be great if that were our motto god stay with us so that we can preach Jacob's kid and Jacob's kid's kid and his grandchild and so on. God, give us another generation. Give us another generation to proclaim you to them. And then verses 22 through 24, the main point on this uh, is kind of a reversal of the last one. We won't quit on you, God. We will not on you. That was a pretty bold statement that the psalmist made. Even though he's going through very tough times, even though he felt like he was being hounded and harangued and harassed by enemies around him, he says, God, that's not going to make me quit. Even though life really kind of is kicking him in the teeth right then, even though things are really hard, he says, God, I'm not going to quit on you. I'm not going to do that. And we can say the same thing as a church. Because like the psalmist said in the last few verses of this, we will sing praise. We will praise you, God. We're not quitting on you. We will sing. We will shout. My tongue, our tongue, will speak of your righteous acts all the day long. Because those who have meant harm for me have been absolutely confounded and confused. Can you ever imagine what it was like for Satan when Jesus came out of that grave? He thought he'd won. Thought he did it. So I finally silenced the Son of God. How's he going to save people when he's dead? That's not going to work. He probably did this little victory dance. I don't know what it looked like. Just like that, yeah, probably. And then Jesus comes out of the grave, and Satan's going, wait, oh, wait, wait a minute. This ain't supposed to happen. How, how do I undo this? You know, it, the Satan was whipped. He was defeated. His head was crushed like, like you step on a snake's head when Jesus came forth from the grave. Our enemies, our enemy, is absolutely ashamed and confused. 
All right, let me wrap this up. How do we apply this? What are some things that we can do? I'll make it real simple. Here they are up on the board there for you. I feel like a teacher now. Right, just look through the board. Um, this is what I want you to do. Think of the things that God has seen you through. Okay? What's some stuff that God's seen you through? You know? That's why you should keep a journal. You know? what, what has God seen us through? I have a friend that when I turned 50, he said, you have passed up a lot of good opportunities to die. Keep up the good work. <laughs> <laughs> he's right <laughs> you know and I look, God saw me through all of those things and it's good to remember those things because when you're going through something new you can be reminded hey God has seen me through he's going to do it again he's going to do it again you know if you think about this if, if God doesn't fail us he just doesn't fail us if he could endure the, the shame of the cross for our sakes and then punch a hole through death then nothing that happens to us in the days that follow that can gainsay God. Nothing. You know, if you can't think of anything that God has seen you through, just think of that. He saw me through my sin. He saw me to forgiveness and to grace, to becoming a new creature in Him. Hey, if He can do that, He can handle anything that's happening right now. So think on those things. Then the second one is speak of those things. Speak of those things to one another. Share those stories with one another. Because what you're doing is you're actually sharing the gospel of Christ when you share those things with other people. And when we do that, we remind each other that even though life may be hard, our God is good in every way and all the time. And then the third thing is continue to gather in community. Man, COVID has put a big hiccup in the church gathering big one <laughs> and uh, unfortunately we're seeing a little bit of a decline in people going back to church and uh, hebrews ten twenty four and 25 apply so well do not forsake the assembling together as some are in the habit of doing but instead encourage one another towards faith and love and good deeds that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. So continue to gather together in community so that together we can encourage one another. And as we encourage one another, we can praise Jesus for all that He is and all that He has done for us because He alone is worthy. And we talk about so many things. We crow about so many things. some reason we hesitate to do that about jesus he's given us so much to talk to one another about and he's given us so much to praise him to crow about him he alone is worthy jesus deserves our sacrifices of praise so if we could do those three things together trust god for whatever we're facing whatever we might face and keep saying god give us one more generation give us another generation that we can talk about who you are and what you've done and i think we'd be on a very good road as a church in the 21st century let's pray lord thank you for your faithfulness and your righteousness thank you for the cross thank you for an empty grave 
Thank you for the millions upon millions of testimonies of lives changed by you, by your intervention into our mess, by your rescuing us when we were so desperately in need of rescue. And Lord, there are still people that need that rescue, maybe some here today. Lord, I pray that they have found that they can call out to you and that you would be near them every day of their life and they could walk by in faith and confidence and hope no matter what life might throw at them. In life, there are many beyond, uh, Lord, there are many beyond our, our, our walls here that do not know you as the way and the truth and the life. Um, Lord, may we together be a community that gets the word out. That we would speak to the generation that's before us and be found hanging in there, standing firm until you bring us a generation after them and after them to keep telling people about who you are and what you've done. Lord, may you do that work in us. May you find us here uh, basically on the altar giving ourselves, saying, Lord, here I am. Take me, use me, keep me, even to my old age and gray hairs, Lord. May your faithfulness be found out, lived in, in us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
draws near and my time has come but still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and One of the cool things about having Evan come to be our pastor is he started this thing about giving a benediction at the end of each service. And I have really come, I mean, from the first time you did it, I was going, that is so cool. That is so cool. So benediction just means good saying. So uh, I'm going to pull it out of Psalm 71. And I'm going to start off by saying common ground. Love you guys. Love you. As for you, may you always have hope, common ground. May you praise the Lord more and more. 
Will your mouth tell of his righteous deeds, of his saving acts all the day long, even though you may not know how to tell them all? From our youth, God, teach us to this day and beyond that we might declare your marvelous deeds. And when we are old and gray, may we stand in God's faithfulness and declare the power of God to the next generation. May you declare his mighty works, his mighty acts to all those who come. Be blessed and have a wonderful week.